and welcome to the Police Hustle Responsibly podcast. This is the brainchild of support staff members, Matt Cole, Christina Magro, and Christina Veltri, where we focus on advocating for oneself and the hospitality industry at a whole. Um, today, we're speaking with Maria Russell, former chef de cuisine of Kiko and Kumiko, and just all around wonderful human being. Um, first, we'll do a little self, self-care check-in. Matt Cole, how are you doing? Uh, I'm pretty good. I just wrapped up work, but I've had the, the two days off beforehand, which were really nice. Saw some friends, had a little a little grill out, and uh, just had some time to relax, which was really nice. How about you, Megs? Uh, you know, okay, I'm going to be honest because that's what we're here for, right? So um, I'm doing great, and I'm doing great because I found a new therapist. She is amazing. And she really calls me out on my bullshit and has uh, helped me in all of the ways that I know are possible because we talk about them all the time. But um, she convinced me to join this like 12 week jogging program. And I would have never thought in my life uh, that I would be in a jogging program. but here we are, and it's actually really helping me. So, like meditation, yeah. physical activity, and therapy has really gotten me out of this funk that I've been in lately, and I'm very grateful for it. Eltry, how are you doing? Uh, I'm good. I'm really happy to hear that you found a therapist. I know this has been a long road since you stopped seeing your last one, so I'm happy about that. Um, I just got back from the desert where can't complain. I just stared at cactuses and (laughs) plants, what plants there were. Um, yeah. And I'm doing well. Maria, how are you? I'm doing good. Um, it's just been a pretty chill day. Like in the morning I walk my dog and just hang out in the sun for a little bit. And then, you know, I clean my apartment, which is really meditative for me. I like organized and clean spaces and it helps me, you know, be clear in the head. Because if I was sitting here and my apartment was messy, I don't know how good I would feel about that. <laughs> uh, so it's been a good, been a pretty good day. No complaints here. I love that. Um, also, I'm glad that that has happened because now you're present with us. And yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Well, so for those who don't know you, can you give us a little brief bio on who you are, where you're from? And we have a lot of non-Chicagoan listeners. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So I am from Springfield, Ohio. I grew up there and then, you know, when I was in high school, I moved to Columbus, but I'm from Ohio and uh, I love food. I've always loved food. And so, you know, when I was in high school, my mom was like, Maria, what are you going to do with your life? Because I was very homebody. I was, I'm introvert. So uh, I was always at home and my mom was kind of concerned as to what I would do with my life. Uh, But I loved cooking. So I kind of followed that. Um, and my junior and senior year of high school, I worked, um, in like a little cafe that was connected to a career academy. Um, and I really enjoyed that. So that's the route I took for my career. And my graduated high school, I moved to Chicago to go to culinary school and I loved it even more. I was, you know, like cooking, they don't really teach you how to be a cook but you do learn how to make certain things and do certain things. Um, So after culinary school, I just started working in the industry. Um, I started at a a bar called Uncommon Ground on the north side. I started there and I learned so much because I was was only 18 when I started working there. So 
I was 17 when I moved to Chicago. So, um, and then I just worked my way around the city, worked my way up. I think Green Debra was my kind of defining moment that I was going to stay in this field. And I, you know, continue to fall in love with it and create relationships that were extremely long lasting. These are people that I still know today and uh, am very close to. I met Noah and Kara there and our relationship just, you know, got better and carried on. And, you know, I moved to Charleston after I was working at Senza because Garrett and I wanted a little change. And then we realized that that wasn't the change for us. So we came back to Chicago and started working at Oriole. Um, I wanted to be in the kitchen at Oreo, but there was no space for me at the time, but they still wanted me to be there. Uh, so I spent about 10 months in front of the house. And then there was an opening in the back. And so I was sous chef in the kitchen and then I became chef de cuisine. And then we opened Kimiko and Kiko and I moved over there. Um, and now I am the first Black woman to ever receive a Michelin star. And now I live in Hawaii. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so much to cover right yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. I was like, um, I really need to uh, cut this a little short. So here we go. <laughs> no, it's okay. We're just going to go back into it. Um, yeah. So what was it about... Green zebra or Senza that sorry, you said your like pivotal moment of like I'm in this. Was that green zebra? green zebra? Yeah, yeah. Um, just the like the way that they view cooking there was just like, you know, make this, just make it taste good, you know? Like it wasn't like, okay, you have to follow this criteria every time. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just had room to be creative and the people that worked there at the time were just like really close friends. And so front of house, back of house, we were family and we respected each other and it was a good time, you know, like, so the, the feeling of meditation that I had when I first started cooking, like when I was a kid, um, came back to me then. And I was like, this is definitely my jam. This is what I'm about to do forever. You know, I just felt really good about it uh, when I was doing it, when I was involved in it, I was learning and growing and I just wanted to continue on that path. So that was the, cause I was, I was very like up and down still when I was younger because of the learning curve of knowing what it was actually going to be like to work in a kitchen. And, you know, I was failing and not fa- like I was learning and burning, burning myself a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there were just a lot of learning curves at the beginning. And I was questioning if it was something that I wanted to do, because especially the amount of time and effort it took to just be there one night, um, I was just like, is this what I want to do? So I, I did like kind of take a break and go back to school. And I was like, I hate this. I really hate this. <laughs> so guess what? <laughs> this is what I'm doing. And so Green Zero was the next place I went. And I was just like, yeah, okay. Made the right choice. <laughs> right. <laughs> so speaking of like that learning curve in the kitchen and the time that goes into the kitchen, Knowing you, like I've seen that your leadership style is so compassionate and communicative and not, you know, what the old guard looks like. So I was curious, like, have, has that always been the way that you approach things, the way you approach teaching and learning, or did you have to learn to apply those qualities to the kitchen? Um, It's definitely, I I definitely had to learn 
because, you know, I've always been like a compassionate and kind person, but, you know, starting out in the industry as this really super young and timid and fearful, anxious, fragile, kind person, um, staying in the industry really made me have a harder skin and I was a lot harder. Um, so I did, there was, <laughs> there was a time there where I did have to learn how to soften because I was just like, you know, if you're not doing things correctly, we have a problem. <laughs> you know, I was really serious for a very long time for multiple reasons, you know, because I was like, if I have to do, if I have to work this hard and you're just going to be here and like ruin everything, this is not, you know, so I had, to, I really had to learn how to soften my approach because I wasn't an approachable person for a little while <laughs> in kitchens. I wasn't approachable. Um, so just figuring out, you know, who I wanted to be because I wanted to always be a genuine reflection of who I actually am. Um, and I was able to like find myself in the industry because I was a child when I started. So I became a woman in this industry and um, you just learn a lot from those experiences with people that don't treat you right and have their own problems, you know? Um, and so I didn't, I didn't want to portray that. I wanted, I wanted people to feel um, very, very good when they're around me, even if they do make a mistake, because I want them to be able to come to work and feel okay, you know, and feel like they want to be here for 13 hours with me. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I, I just decided for myself who I wanted to be and, and not, not let all of the other things dictate, you know, who I was by the things that I was around you know, all the egos and all the, all the different, you know, giant personalities. Um, so I really, really was able to reflect who I was eventually um, in my management style. So that made me happy. <laughs> yeah. You know, even being surrounded by like all of these big personalities and egos, what, not that this wouldn't have happened sooner, but like you being the person that you are then gets this huge recognition of being a Michelin star chef, <laughs> um, which you're also, as you said, you're the first black female Michelin star chef. Mm -hmm. So like yeah. you're humble, you're kind, you're compassionate <laughs> and you're like... <laughs> an amazing business and I love that you just did a spit take <laughs> so during that time how did you I mean like how did you navigate that and still remain amazing and humble and like hardworking and not let it get to your head or, or I mean, did it? <laughs> um, you know, because it's it's more about the human experience for me than it is about accolades and things. You know, it's about what we are trying to achieve and who I am as a person. Honestly, like um, that whole experience <laughs> was mind-blowing you know like sitting sitting across from Noah at Oreo waiting for that phone call like just trying to like feel okay you know like this is the most anxious I felt <laughs> just sitting at this table um and then you know him getting the phone call and answering it and then them asking him if I was there that was just so, it was just really an out-of-body experience because I've been with Noah when he's received that call, you know, 
for Oriole. And then, you know, he contacted me about Senza when they got to start Senza. And, you know, just being more fully a part of that experience was just like, wow, you know, um, definitely like pinch me. Is this real kind of thing? Um, I felt like I was definitely out of my body, but I was completely just blown away by it. Um, but after the fact, just, just like sitting with everything that just happened and like everything that's happened up until then throughout my entire life. Um, and then realizing that I was the first black woman to, to do that was a hard thing to process. You know, it was like, man, surely somebody's done this before me. Surely, you know, I wasn't like so focused on that until after the fact it happened. Um, so there was a lot, there was a lot of different things to process, a lot of different things going on, especially because uh, Garrett and I had already, my husband had already put in our, our one year notice, like way before we got the star. So there was just a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff happening to me <laughs> at yeah. the same time. Yeah. So, yeah. okay. When, when you were waiting for the call, did you expect, I, I don't really know exactly how this works completely, but did you expect it to be like, because it's Noah's business it to still be his or is it, I, I just don't, or is it, does it always go to the actual chef that's there? It's pretty complicated because this is like a really special situation. Um, there aren't a lot of chefs that have other people run other things for them in such a manner that it's like them doing it you know, because he trusted me to just take his vision and run with it. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's not super common. Yeah. Or um, so, and he was like actually honest about that rather than, Oh being yeah. Like, oh, I'm do I'm doing this, but secretly. Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm sure that there's other people that are just not. <laughs> yeah. He was always <laughs> very transparent with people when they would ask what was going on there. He would be like, yeah, Mario's doing this. You know, he was always rooting for me, even if I wasn't working for him. He was always in my corner. And so, yeah, this is a really special situation and people are kind of confused by it. But yeah, that's what happened. I was, you know, it was his, but he gave it to me. Mm -hmm. So I had, yeah, it was kind of very special situation. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's cool. Um, and then I think I first want to address like the experience at Kiko. Um, Magro and I actually went. I yeah, I, <laughs> I definitely remember that. That made me really happy. That that was like before I was closer to Magro, you know. And I was like, oh my god, I love this woman. I'm so happy that she's here. You know, <laughs> like really excited that you guys came. Um. Yeah, and it was amazing, and it was one of the most intimate dining experiences I've had because it's an eight-seat bar, right? Or mm -hmm. sometimes, yeah, right. sometimes ten. <laughs> uh, no, not really. It wasn't no. <laughs> um, and the first thing that you did when everybody arrived was you you know, told the guests and encouraged the guests to interact with you and Emery. Um, and I thought that, and I think that what you actually said is like, we are humans, so you can talk to us. Yeah, and very much human. Yeah. And I know that like during that time, this is when Magro and I were having a lot of conversations about like, the humanization and dehumanization that the industry can have. So I just wanted to talk about like what drove you to 
really instill that mentality in this business model and encourage guests to like face the fact that like, I mean, for us, it's like, yeah, we get it. Yeah. Yeah. But like for the normal (laughs) person that just dines, like, do they realize that like they frequently don't address the humans that are providing them an experience nourishment? (laughs) Yeah. So let's see. I think that it started for me when I started working for Noah and Kara. Um, Just the way they did things were more thoughtful than most people ever considered ever doing. Especially, you know, working in the front of the house at Oriole, the way things are done there is it's more considerate of the guests than anything else. So, you know, you, you kind of get rid of all tradition when it comes to what the guest needs. And that kind of transformed my whole thought process on dining, just period. Um, Cause I mean, if somebody's, you know, hanging out over here, why would you put their plate down on the left side? You know, cause it's more aggravating for them for you to move around them. So it's, it's, it's humanizing. Is that a word? That's a word, right? That's, I don't I used, I used it too. So. <laughs> it's, it's, a word now. it's been used twice. So it's a yeah. word. <laughs> it's making things more human in an environment that's usually not, you know, and so taking that and applying it to everything, like even waking up, in the, you know, just applying the fact that you are human to everything really helped, helped us come up with how we were going to approach things at Kiko. And just with my personality, it just fits. And so I'm just able to portray that because I love feeling comfortable and I love feeling like I belong somewhere because, you know, as a Black woman living in this world, it's not an easy thing to always feel comfortable. And so I want to make people feel like they belong, no matter what's going on with you. If you had a bad day and you're here hanging out, guess what? You're not going to remember that until maybe you get home, you know, like we're going to, this is going to be an experience that you won't need to dwell on the bad things for. It's just going to be a good thing. It's just going to be a good thing in your life that you're going to remember. And so just, just taking that and trying to apply it to every service no matter what was going on with us behind the scenes um, is something that I will always, always, always take with me wherever I go, whatever I end up doing, because I want you to feel at home. That's so important, especially in a public setting. Like you don't have to pretend here. This is safe. So yeah, I think that's, that's where it started. I was able to take a vision, able to take Noah's vision and kind of run with it. I just have to say, like, as someone who's had the privilege of sitting there and when Veltri and I went there, when, well, one, when you like made that like small little, you know, like welcome greeting statement, I've one never seen anyone like command a, a room like that of just like, listen, this is the experience you're gonna have, but like this is the experience that um is expected out of you, like as a patron. And I one, I was like, oh hell yes. And <laughs> I remember you being like, you know, feel free to talk to us as well, talk to each other, but like, you know, we are human beings as well. 
And I don't know if it was because we were talking about it a whole lot or what, but I remember in that moment, like I felt like I could cry because I was like, I'm seen, you know, like I feel so comfortable, so at ease. And like, we are humans, you know? Yeah. yeah. I remember that moment. I remember everything you said almost verbatim. Like I think about that a lot because it's just like, how how do you moving forward and especially like outside of this pandemic, like set the tone like you did? So like everything you just said, like I want you to know that it was translated. And I felt like as someone sitting there. Thank you. I, that makes me really happy. That means we were doing, doing what we were supposed to be doing, you know. And even like Noah came and ate and I was just like, yeah! you know, like <laughs> you get to see what this is like. And I was, that was like a very amazing moment for me. You know, he was, He's really proud of me, you know. He's proud of us. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of love for you. I remember Noah bringing you beers from <laughs> like, <laughs> Oriel. It's like, I'm just going to go have a beer with Mario. I was like, yeah. So yeah, I talked to him the other day, that. and he said, he said that you're his favorite person in the entire world. Yeah, that is. Uh, yep, he's. Uh, Really, really special person. Yeah. So, <laughs> you have a mentor? <laughs> <laughs> or are you a mentor to anyone? <laughs> um, so, I have a few different mentors. Um, these are people that, Noah being one of them, that just saw me for who I am and just was like, okay, you want to learn, let's go. You know, these were dudes that were like, you're going to do great things and I believe in you and let's learn together, you know, just completely taking me under their wing and showing me everything that they know. And we still have very strong relationships. However many years later. I think it's one of the most important things in this industry to develop relationships with people that, you know, care about you and know a lot and are willing to share that um, and not hide things and be weird about, you know, what things really are. Uh, because that's how I feel this industry continues to be what it is and have so much integrity and, you know, be awesome <laughs> because of the people that, that are so human and caring about the ones that do for them. I am not currently like, you know, specifically mentoring any one person. Um, I was doing like some uh, like cooking demos for high schools around the country, which I really enjoyed because I would do like a little speech for these these kids. I mean, it could be like high school or elementary school um, and just like talk to them about following a path that they want to go and just, you know, achieving their dreams as possible, stuff like that. Um, I have like talked to a few people that reached out to me just about, you know, how I'm, I was able to be black in such different environments and stuff like that. Just, and just people curious about my path and, how I did what I did and got to where I am. Um, but I am not currently mentoring any specific person. I think that it is really, really important. And, you know, if when we have our own restaurant, um, I just want to do so much for the community around it and just have people stage and whatever. But, you know, currently it's, I'm just trying to <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
enjoy my my life and like process the things um, that have happened in my life. But I think mentoring is the best thing. <laughs> I really do. It's really, really important. Um, okay, so now you're in Hawaii and you decided to move to Hawaii like almost two years ago at this point. It's actually been longer than that. It's been a thought for longer than that. Um, but we were very like, I don't know what we're, we're just going to just kind of ride, <laughs> you know, but the next move is moving to Hawaii, whenever that is. It was very open. Um, what pushed you towards that? Uh, so we were... I think, okay, it started when we came here on our honeymoon. Because Garrett had a bunch of friends from college move here after college. Mm -hmm. And he thought about it, but he never came. But he's visited a couple times and he just really loved it. But wanted to grow more as a chef and a cook and stuff like that. So he didn't come here. Um, And... When we came here on our honeymoon, we kind of started talking about it. And I was just like, wow, that seems insane. You know, like, this is so remote. <laughs> like, it's, we literally live in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. There's, like, nothing about it. So that took me a while to, like, come to terms with. And then I was like, I think this is a possibility. I really think this is a possibility. And then I was like completely on board with it. Um, so, that you know, like the vision, you were like, this is happening. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is going to happen for us when, whenever, but it's going to happen eventually. Um, and so we started just like looking at it and like researching it. And we're just like, okay, this is a possibility for us. Like we we are able to do that. So that's decided. That's the next move. So how has your life changed? Not only since moving to Hawaii, but also since like this great pause. Cause I spoke to you a little bit before you left and you know, we were in the throes of like lockdown and who knows when this quarantine's going to end. I think it was like month <laughs> four. <laughs> um, and I've talked to you about this before. Like you just, in my eyes, have like such a calm And I understand that maybe, you know, the way that I perceive you might be different than the way that you perceive (laughs) you, but like, for me, I'm like, your goals, like, it seems like you have just like taken this time to not only focus on taking care of yourself and loving yourself, but I don't know, like almost beyond that, like... (laughs) you've achieved (laughs) yeah because I mean during quarantine I was not comfortable you know like I was just like what am I supposed to do like it was just a really like halting stop there was just silence after like running 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 all over the place all the time you know and it was hard to get used to that it was hard to like adjust to not always doing, you know, like with what I was doing, my attention span became very short. And that was something that was a goal of mine to like work on, to be able to like actually have conversations with people without my mind wandering and just being like, huh, what did you, what did you say? I'm so sorry. I'm, I became a terrible listener. (laughs) Um, so, you know, there were a lot of things or a list, long list of things that I wanted to personally work on for myself, but I didn't expect it to like come that way. I didn't expect it to just completely halt my life 
and just be like, okay, now here's you. Yeah. Here's you're what like, you got. You're like, I'm going to do that on my time. And then it was like, <laughs> no, you're going to do that on our time. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's time. You have to do that right now. <laughs> Man. Yeah. It was hard. It was really difficult. And, you know, sometimes I would be like, oh, this is, this is really good for me. I can sleep. And this is a good little, this is a good break, but it was also like a really strange transition out of something that I was like very much a part of. Um, so just like the exit was really weird because, you know, we were supposed to work until May. I don't re- really remember, but we were supposed to work, you know, until then. And it just came to a halting stop and you couldn't really go see anybody. You couldn't really like, you know, closure was not something that came easy with COVID. So. It was strange for a while, but then, you know, just like having conversations with Noah and talking, talking to him about everything made me feel a lot better, you know. And then, you know, my life has changed a lot, an extreme amount, because I went from the very most to accepting that I'm doing nothing and not feeling bad about it. And that took a lot of work to to sit in my apartment and not feel obligated to do something, even if it's like picking stuff off of the floor, like cleaning the apartment, whatever, just being active. Um, took a long time to get to this point. But now I'm just like, I'm just going to sit here, literally, and not do anything. Um, so, yeah, my life has changed an extreme amount, and I'm really grateful for that. You know, like, I don't know exactly where I'm going. I know it's going to be great, whatever that is, but I've accepted where I am right now. And like I said, it's been like the whole like self-care, self-love journey has been ever imagined. It would, you know, people are like, oh, self-care, take a bath, light some candles, you know? <laughs> it's way more than just those things. Yes. And like just being real with yourself enough to love who that person is has been hard, but really amazing and really fulfilling all at the same time. Because it's like, who you know who that is, like you know who that person is and you're accepting of the fact that yeah, maybe sometimes you don't feel good about yourself. And you're not having the best day, but that's okay. You know, like, I don't know. It's, it's definitely a journey that I'm, I'm not going to (laughs) quit. Amazing. You shouldn't quit it. (laughs) You're doing a great job. (laughs) Like I said, you are goals. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Matt, Magro, do you have any questions before I end with our our classic final questions? <laughs> yeah, um, I was just like, what was what was the pace of life like immediately after you found out that you want to star? Like, what what was that like, and like Ooh. what kind of what kind of changed for you? Because you know, it's like it's obviously such a huge huge award, and then you know, I mean, it, it like everything must have felt a little different. A lot different, actually. It it was a very noticeable change. Uh, We got extremely busier. Um, So there was just a more, there was a higher demand of 
me mm-hmm. and everything. Like there was just a higher volume of everything that we had to do, um, which I was really grateful for, but it was also like extremely taxing. Um, just like, okay, we are like booked. <laughs> we have, we're like booked out. So that my time was just, you know, extremely spread just between new ideas and executing things and prepping my own things and managing everyone in the back of the house. You know, like if somebody needed a day off, that was, it was just, it was intense. And we were like, yeah, I'm doing this. (laughs) You know, like from the beginning, we were all very in for whatever it took to make sure everything was the way it was supposed to be perfect to our standards, you know, to the standards I was teaching from the standards Noah taught me. So, you know, it was, it was a ride for sure. And it it definitely changed. Like the clientele changed because they were like, Oh, this is now a Michelin star place to go. Um, And like people, (laughs) people were, were, like more demanding of my presence. Even upstairs, people would ask if I could come and take pictures with them or, you know, downstairs people were like taking more photos and intense. Do you feel like your expectations of yourself changed a lot after that too? Not that they changed. It was just that, I knew that I had to continue and evolve, Mm -hmm. you know? So not necessarily change, just, you know, evolve with time and the things that we've learned and the experiences that we've already had and elevate things, you know? Yeah. Just making sure things are still interesting and making sure that it stays that way. Um, was definitely something that was always present. So I guess I didn't, I wasn't like, okay, you need to change this or change that. It was just that now that there's a star involved, you have to make sure, not that I wasn't before, but now you have to really make sure everything is at that expectation. And so the pressure did become a little heavier. It was all, cause I'm always, I've always been very like critical of myself and what sure. I'm doing on my own. I don't need nobody to be like <laughs> doing that for me. <laughs> so on top of my own voice, yeah. it's everyone else's voice now. Even if it's just people taking photos. Well, and they're like, our expectation. Whereas before you were like, okay, cool. Like I'm doing a great job and they're really enjoying this, but now it's like, they have this layer of expectation, but like you also want to exceed that already. So you're like, well, there's already pressure. And (laughs) now I know there's really pressure. (laughs) Yeah. Because we, like we weren't sure if this was going to be a possibility for us because we were a bar, you know, we were a bar and we were like so unsure about Michelin even considering us. And so, you know, it was always that little thing in my head, but after it happened, I was like, oh my God, (laughs) this happened. Wow. Okay. Okay, here we go, you know. Um, what does the ideal future of hospitality look like to you? And this is like, sky's the limit. Yeah, um, it's extremely uncertain, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> extremely uncertain. But I have so much faith and hope in the people in the restaurants that people have created in this whole industry that we will bounce back. Like 
the human beings that voluntarily choose to spend day in and day out in dark spaces um, to provide delicious food for strangers all day um, and their communities, you know, uh, and sacrifice a lot for the integrity of the things that they're putting on plates or into go boxes says a lot about this industry and that things may change, things may be different, but in my opinion, this is an industry that will find a way to adjust um, just like we do with everything else that we choose to do every day. You know, if, if something goes wrong, we're always waiting for that to happen you know we're anticipating what we have to do next and so I feel like it's really extreme but we're able to handle it in a way that other industries are not and I feel like you know the way that we do things are crazy mindsets <laughs> and the things that we do choose to do um, really set us apart and really help us to, like I said, anticipate what's going to go wrong. So I really think we will bounce back like other people don't expect. Mm -hmm. You know, like people are opening restaurants and people are like, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> like you open yourself a restaurant during COVID. Um, but honestly, it's, it's an industry that's very adjustable to its environment. And so I feel like the future of restaurants is not over by any means, no matter what it may look like right now. And what does your future look like? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that it's beautiful and bright and awesome, but... I'm not exactly sure what it looks like and I'm okay with that. Like I'm really okay with that. I'm just really going with the flow of life and things. And I'm just trying to enjoy my life as much as possible and like be as present as I can and learn myself and grow as much as I can. And I think that's the best thing for me at this moment. Um, I do think that this is going to take me somewhere that I have no idea about. That's really awesome. But I'm just going with it right now. And I'm really grateful that I have that ability. I never imagined that I would be like <laughs> doing what I'm doing right now. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't, I also like, I just didn't think that like complete bliss was real for for humans or like somebody like me. I didn't think I could be this happy. And now it's like very, very possible, I think, to just be a blissful person and have and just like be happy because of the state you're 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 in in your mind, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going with that. <laughs> awesome um do you have any questions for us or any thing else you want to talk about um how is it going is my question for you guys they are support staff, <laughs> support staff <laughs> chicago <laughs> I mean, right now there's a shit ton of cops rolling around Logan Square because there's yeah. going to be some protests tonight because they continue to murder people. black and brown people in the streets and children now too. So, um, yeah, that's that's what's happening. But you know, restaurants <laughs> are continuing to open and they're you know getting a little less i guess a little looser with the rules uh i guess uh table size just increased to 10 um 10 guests uh okay so yeah i mean even though cases are kind of like on the upswing they're 
just kind of going for it. Um, but a lot of people are getting their vaccines, even though hospitality workers were never like part of the first wave or even considered for that first wave of vaccinations, which is, I mean, probably not surprising to anyone. Uh, but yeah, I guess, I guess we're just getting ready for summer and the plan is for to just be busy and, you know, I guess try and like recoup costs and, uh, act like there's nothing else going on. So pretty, like pretty standard, I guess. Man. Okay, but on a lighter note, people like Christina are opening businesses that actually care about employees and are looking to be. I'll let you talk about this. (laughs) Okay. Um, so I throw it all on you. She's saving the world. Uh, I started a new position and we're I don't, I wouldn't like to say we're reinventing the wheel by any means. I just think that we've all had a year to think about how fucked, uh, you know, the hospitality industry is and how do we make it better. So, I mean, I'm just working with a company that's like um, going to pay back of house, livable wages, and everybody gets full health insurance and profit sharing after year one and five day work weeks and quality of life because like if I've learned anything this past year it's like as someone who like I don't have another option this industry is my only choice so right make this a better place than where I entered and it's like okay well we need to start treating this like every other job um that people have so like bridge the gap between back of house and front of house. Like everybody makes like tips in this tip pool. Every like no one's yes. job is more important than the other person next to you. So That's like right. if you're bartending, you're gonna make the same amount of tips as the person who's bar backing right next to you because that's the way that things should be. And there were way too many people ignored this past year and left to figure things out. So part of my job is to like make these people feel seen, engage the community because like hospitality does not begin and end in the four walls of which you walk into every day. Like it's the people that are around you. It's the foundation of the restaurants. You know, you live in. Yes. I'm very proud of that. That Thank you for doing that. It's just, it's way past time. Mm-hmm. It's way past time. Mm-hmm. Because if we are able to put so much effort into the people that come in that don't, you don't even know, how is that not a part of the family that runs the place, you know? Yeah, like I feel like we got lost in ego somewhere and it's like let's just bring this all back to like what it really means to like be a bar or be a restaurant like you're supposed to be a staple or an anchor within your community like that's it like so everybody just relax like the world's going to keep turning but we need to like make sure that the people here are taken care of and they're first. Those people are the people that I care about the most. Customers are a dime a dozen. These guests will will come and go, but these guests also need to be taught how to be better patrons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Totally agreed. All right. That's the thing is like, you know, we've we've talked with the the Chad project a while ago and a lot of that focuses on accountability and that accountability like it's extends beyond just like the people that were watching in the kitchen world and in the bar world. It's also the guests and, you know, they have to be held accountable for how they're behaving and where they're spending their money and who they're supporting and what they're doing. Because otherwise we just end up with a, with a world of like egotistical asshole chefs and, you know, inequitable situations for everyone and a fuck ton of chilies and McDonald's on every corner. Not that they're not like valid existences, but it's just like, 
there's a whole ton of space out there for people who can be doing their own thing and, and not just this like cookie cutter thing, you know, like this. Yeah. You, yeah. So back to the whole human thing. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is more of a human experience than most people's jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, lots of different energies, lots of different things to deal with. And if people don't know how to act when they come sit down, and then you're just like supporting that you know well you know they had a whole year to think about it (laughs) yeah come on guys yeah Uh, (laughs) yeah it's it's funny to me because like i was talking about this with some friends the other day and uh you know i remember like four or five months ago six months ago i don't i don't know how time really works anymore but uh everyone was (laughs) like i love cooking at home i love cooking at home I'm not going out to eat anymore, like ever again. Like we have such a good time cooking at home; it's so nice. And then, like a month later, they're calling Lies. A, a small, a small restaurant and be like, "Why aren't you guys open yet? Like we want to come <laughs> in. You can have twenty five percent. It's like, yo, twenty five percent is like four people in our fucking business. Like, exactly. we, like we're, we're not letting us. people in. They're like, but we want to come in there. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, people love. <laughs> telling businesses like like they don't know like, what to do oh is that what's yeah. going on right now can i have <laughs> you think i don't know <laughs> you think i don't want to keep my business afloat thank you for informing me i really appreciate this i'll call you as soon as we're ready <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my god well i mean they're, i'm they're so not proud all. of you guys <laughs> we're equally as proud and grateful to know you. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, for real. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for having me here. Really happy it's so, to it's so to nice to see your to face. Yours yeah. too. It's been so long. <laughs> I know. Um, We've been gone for like seven months. That time went by really quickly. Is Garrett <laughs> just like a... A sun-kissed baby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He is like a sun-kissed baby. (laughs) I don't know if that's the right way to describe it. No, that's perfect. That's that's a perfect way to describe it. Um, We go to the beach as much as we possibly can. We spend spend as much time outdoors as we can. I just got roller skates, which I'm so excited about. Um, it did take me a second to like just go out in public by myself on my roller skates. <laughs> but when I did, I was like, yes, Mario, you took that step. Now you just got to do it all the time. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really great. Like, I feel like sometimes when I'm like, if I'm going hiking or something and I'm just like looking around at all the beautiful sights, it doesn't feel real. It's like, is this where I live? It took a while to adjust to the fact that, you know, waking up in the morning and hearing these birds chirp. I was like, is this a Disney movie? Like, what? (laughs) What is this? There's palm trees, like, outside my door, everywhere. Um, So that took a minute to, like, adjust to and not feel like I was in someone else's life. Um, But... It's great. It's pretty great. So come visit. Yes. Perfect. All right. Well, this is our sign off as always. (laughs) Hustle responsibly. Bye.